Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Hello, and welcome to Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Season 31, Episode 19. My name is Kimmy. I'm Kadeem. I'm Nick. It's been so long since you've been here, Dave. You forgot how to do it. I did. I was like, which way is it going? <laughs> I've just gotten used to like somebody calling out who's going. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In today's episode, uh, Budding Butlerian in New Zealand shares a story about players using chat GTP. Toby wants advice about a disappointing convention experience. Steve from Wisconsin shares his return to gaming and LARP knowledge. And if you'd like to contribute a question or topic to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Happy Jacks is looking to expand now that we have most of the ghosts in the equipment worked out. Hopefully, we'll see. Stu is uh, fine. Stu is fine. Not those ghosts. Like Quiet. The- <laughs> Get back in your cage, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> now that like most of the equipment issues, are, you know, and all that stuff, we've finally like brushed off all the issues with our new studio. We're looking to start getting some maybe new listeners. So if you could recommend us to your friends or if you hate us, please recommend us to your enemies. So... Because they're probably cool if you hate us. If you hate us, they're probably amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, and you can do that by word of mouth, by telling people online that you play with, by tweeting about us, by leaving a recommendation on your chosen platform, whatever you want to do. By renting a blimp, by doing skywriting. Skywriting. Okay, you, if you do skywriting, okay. take a picture. Drone swarms. Yeah. Drone swarms. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, just get the word out. And, all right, our indie designer of the month. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking, am I going to go and buy a pack of envelopes and just send out our email address to random addresses random all over and see? <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Someone's like, I found your podcast. I love it. I just got a creepy blank envelope in the mail with your web address on it. And... <laughs> It changed my life. I, I've got a like roll those, of stamps and, and the will to use them. Yeah. <laughs> like those those fake handwritten like spam mail things you get. <laughs> like, oh, I saw that you might be planning for your retirement. So mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's dead. Hi. Yes. I, you I don't know. <laughs> be the weird you want to see in the world. Exactly. You never know. You could inspire. I've been threatening for stuff like that for a long time. This one might actually be the one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Indie Designer of the Month. This month is March. March, yes, it's still March. And uh, Mo Poplar of Ashy Feet Games is our designer of this month. You can find all his stuff at ashyfeet.com. This week, we're talking about Holdfast Station, which is a hard sci-fi RPG. It says that hard sci-fi RPG. Hardfast Station is a role-playing game in which you play characters in a grim, blue-collar community working and surviving on an asteroid mine in the far reaches of space. Holdfast Station is an innovative PBTA-based system that's quick to set up and play with alternative descriptive tags and world-building questions to make Session Zero quick and set the tone of the game. Getting in is easy, getting out isn't. Ashtv.com for more info, and it's currently in beta testing with a Discord and beta documents available. So that's very exciting. You could be part of developing a new game. 
Awesome. I'm going to look that up because honestly, that sounds right up my alley. That's checking many boxes that I like. Yes. (laughs) All right. And again, that's ashyfeet.com. And uh, yeah, mailbag number one. I'll take it. Okay. Greetings from... uh, I don't want to take this one anymore. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Greetings from Aotearoa. I think that sounds... You know, if, if I didn't do it right, generate content, send us an email. New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, I'm pulling Kimmy there. Yes. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I feel seen and attacked. Ayo Tarot, Rhode Island, of course. <laughs> How could I forget? Of course. Well known. Based <laughs> on the... Okay. Bring it together. Okay. Based on the news out of the publishing industry currently, I suspect this topic is moving extremely quickly, but I have a cautionary tale from Five hours into the future. That's powerful. After our first session of a small online game, our GM requested a written description of our characters in the Discord chat as we built them at the start of the station. Session. See, I'm thinking about the other the game. Station, you're, the station. Still, you're like, oh, I can run. Yeah. <laughs> Within 10 minutes, one player had produced a multi-paragraph physical description but it was oddly neutral in its language and had an eerie familiarity, a familiar layout. When asked if it had been produced by chat GPT, the player said it had, and the GM reacted with a, let's say, undiplomatically phrased jest about the player, quote, taking it easy. The player immediately declared they were done with the game and the GM. The GM apologized, I believe entirely sincerely, but it looks like that game, the first time my two mutual friends had played together, is done uh, done for, and organizing future ones will be awkward. Hmm. While I wish the GM hadn't used the approach that they did, I really do understand what provoked that barb, and I'm not sure I would have even been that discreet if I was in their shoes. I play RPGs to engage with other players and their ideas and put effort into what I'm doing based on that. Regardless of the avenue, any other, quote, time saver to produce a character deployed as offhandedly as it would have made me feel that my contributions weren't considered valuable. As a side note, if they had asked, I want to try using chat GPT, is that cool? If they had felt stuck and wanted some inspiration, or even if the agreed premise was that was how we'd all make characters, I wouldn't have had an issue. Just as if, in the grand tradition, they had lightly plagiarized another famous existing character used random tables or tarot cards and interpreted the results through their own lens. A little fig leafing on even a Drizzt clone can go a long way, but it just might have felt different since this was completely out of left field. I talked to the player later. I couldn't convince them that even if they couldn't see that that might be a problem, it meant that others might decline to agree. I've known them for a while, and while they won't respond to the apology or consider that there might be some other perspective is confusing me. Oh, and why they won't respond, gotcha. Tone matters. Mm -hmm. So it's really just a communication and respect issue at its core, despite the space age trappings, and for the moment, disregarding what careers LLMs might disrupt next, joy. So I have, have I learned nothing from this sad story? Add chat GPT and its cybernetic cousins to your session zero and have your damn session zero so things like this don't ambush you. Over 35 years, I've never had a game go off the rails so fast or so suddenly. Like they say, to err is human, but to really frack things up, you need a computer. (laughs) Budding Butlerian, not on the forums. Do you guys still have forums? No. 
That's and negative. I sort of. On the Discord. The Discord. That's true. There is the Discord. There is the Discord. And I assume that Budding Butlerian is a reference to the Butlerian Jihad. Yes, yes, that was very nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're a winner in my book. We love you. But yeah, happyjacks.org slash Discord. There's a lot of chatting and forums there, actually. Yeah, there are forums. If you're not into just the chat, there's like forums that are slower posting. Yeah, I th- see, this is very interesting because I... I'm on so many internet spaces for TTRPGs, so many. And people post stuff a lot, especially in like Facebook groups for D&D and stuff. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, look at this amazing AI art that I made. And it's like, and there's always, every single time, the comments become a dumpster fire of arguing about AI. (laughs) And it's like, I personally like have very strong feelings about using AI for commercial work. I don't think it should be done because... A lot of reasons, but I don't have a problem with people using it for personal reasons, for games and things like that. If someone's like, hey, you know, in your personal home game, if you're not publishing anything, if you're like, hey, this is what my character looks like, because 90% of us are never going to actually pay an artist for like a one-time NPC that's going to walk through a scene. We're probably just going to Google on the internet and find something that's already been made anyway. That's true. So to me, that doesn't seem like it's taking away from artist work. And besides, my characters all have 17 fingers and 108 teeth. Great. <laughs> I, I, I like that. It's like abs with Adam. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Who needs six abs when you can have 15? Right. I did not, did not suspect in the very core of my being that we would be worried about Adam being the first Cylon. <laughs> but who knew? Who knew? But people have incredibly passionate feelings on this. So I'm not totally surprised about this story. What do you think? My evolution of, of AI tools, and I have not been involved in any of the chat GPT stuff except for reading a couple of things about how wrong it gets some people's backgrounds. Like I follow a couple of authors and they've like experimented just to see what it would say. And it says like some wild stuff that is not anywhere near accurate. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I I have had a little bit of experience with the image generators. And when the first one came out on the phone and everyone went gaga over it, and I like was like, oh, okay. And I was doing it for a little while. I wasn't posting them anywhere, but I was putting in some prompts because I was sort of in the stages of writing a novel and I was putting in like the title of my novel and putting in stuff just to see what it would generate Mm -hmm. on there. And I thought that was fairly interesting. And I ended up stopping to use it because it kept giving me the same sorts of images when I was looking for something new. Yeah. And then I was pretty much done with it. And then people continued to use it. And then more and more came out about how these things are programmed or what they're stealing from other people who have put out there and have don't necessarily want their content involved mm-hmm. in this. And it just became a real ethical minefield for me to the point where in one of the online games that I'm in, there is a channel that's dedicated to people putting in stuff for whatever reason, and I just avoid that channel because I don't want to know. Because I, I feel very strongly that you should pay your artists, mm-hmm. and this is a way of stealing from your artists. Mm-hmm. And the way that I feel that tech bros are bringing up ChatGPT and all these AI bots and everything, that feels like the same thing to me, but on a writerly level, which you don't often think about that sort of level of plagiarism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard uh, because like, I don't know. Uh, Dave, you look like you're about to say something. No, no, I like I live for a possible future. It's Mm -hmm. like Ian Banks culture novels Mm -hmm. where 
AI has gotten smart enough and good enough that humans are like, fuck it, you do all the work. Like, figure it out. <laughs> We're just going to go be weird over here and look like a tree. Yeah. Like, because I ha- we have the technology, I can be a tree for a year. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. Like, whatever. Like, that is the future I want. Mm-hmm. And we're just unfortunately in the, like, awkward growing phase mm-hmm. of, of it. And I would very much like to see an ethically sourced AI yes. generator. Yes. Like, hire a bunch of artists. Have them make art. Knowing full well what its final use will be. Pay them for this. Yeah. And then let the thing train on that. Like, I think that would be fine. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be that would make it completely different for me. And that would be a okay, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't agree with stealing from people. That's not cool. Mm-hmm. But I cherish the technology, I guess, is the point where I am myself. Like I don't know if I'd ever want to use it to generate a backstory for my character. Seems a little impersonal to me. Yeah, I mean, maybe like but Larian here said to get some ideas. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. I have used some of the image generators myself personally not for anything other than just kind of coming up with some ideas. Yeah. Like, I because... Think, I think a lot of us logged in and, and like if, just to see what it was. If you count on me to illustrate something for <laughs> anything, it's going to be real bad. Yeah. It's going to be like Don Hertzfeld stick figures, but without the talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's the best you can hope for for me. So if I want to envision something and I'm having a hard time imagining it in my head, mm-hmm. going to a tool like that, I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. I just wish that there was some way that you could find a company that would do it without robbery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So what is the difference between using chat GPT or some other program to generate like a backstory and using a random name generator or lists of names for characters that you find online? Like at what point are we okay with technological uses for these things before it flips over into something that that we don't like? Well, and like this is where I am. like. I don't actually have a problem with, I mean, ethically, I don't have a problem with a player using chat GPT to make a backstory for a home TTRPG. Yeah. Like if it's like, hey, I'm going to make PCs for the game I'm publishing. I think that's bullshit because again, it's profiting off of stolen work. If it's just for you to play with your friends, like I don't see a problem with that. I can see why it's definitely something that needs a conversation first. Especially depending on who's in your group. Like if there's some people who are working in tech or a writer who has had their work, you know, skimmed to train these bots and stuff like that, there can be a lot of personal emotion there. And like, it seems like that was the reaction there was the thing that kind of like kicked it off. The GM had this big reaction. It was a little bit rude, (laughs) maybe a lot rude. (laughs) And then the player reacted with, probably what was embarrassment at first and then which then turned to anger and defensiveness which is why they like they they stormed off and i can see why people would be annoyed at first especially if you put a bunch of time into it but i also like you maybe shouldn't have the expectation that everyone's going to put in all that at the same time if you especially they said they haven't had session 0 like nobody had the expectation like we've all right. had that game where like like you wrote like the four page backstory and like this is the entire history of the character and then so someone shows up and is like, oh, I don't, I didn't pick a name. And you're like. They're like, uh, farm a farm. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. They grew, <laughs> I, I, uh, turnips. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you bring an extra, <laughs> yeah, did you bring an extra character sheet? I don't, I don't have one. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of complex things mixed up here that's causing drama. 
Well, I think the real lesson is always have a session zero. <laughs> I feel like we've learned that lesson many times. Yeah. But, but, but I, I don't think I would have... That's the interesting thing about this email, though. I don't think I would have thought of having this as part of a session zero conversation before. No. No, and I think the advantage of having a session zero is that during that week of not playing or however it all is between your sessions, that, mm-hmm. that if they come back with this multi-paragraph thing like that, you might not even have thought twice about it. Yeah. Instead of be, having it all produced within 10 minutes. But Yeah, that's interesting because it was the quick turnaround time that was the giveaway. Right. Right. It was a huh. real it was a real Turing test that that was <laughs> failed there. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, I'm putting it out there. Sometime in the not too distant future, I will be running a Blade Runner game. <gasps> Everybody that plays a replicant is invited to use Chat Yeah. Okay. For your backstory generation. I think that would be delightful. That's actually a really cool idea. <laughs> yeah. As okay. long as it's not for publication or profit. No, no. Right. Yeah. Well. I mean, I might do it in a public space, but, you know. Oh, no, no, that's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't see that as significantly different than scrolling Google to find an image that I like to use for my character, as long as I'm not putting that on stream yeah. or saying that this is my work. Just right. saying, hey, this is this is a cool character. You know, this is a cool drawing or, or painting or whatever Yeah, it's, on that. Yeah, absolutely. Because we all kind of, like, have that. We, we all do that, especially those of us who are not artists. Because I would love to pay an artist to make every single character for every game I'm in. I can't afford that. Right. And I do want to pay, you know, artists fairly. But also, like, I don't really have use for something like that. I don't have, like, it's like the one time I hold it up and then I have a mental picture, which I continue referencing. But I'm not, like, I don't have enough wall space to, like, put up all the characters I've ever been. I don't, I don't have wall space for the character. Well, get rich. Yeah, get rich and get a bigger house. Okay. <laughs> When I do that, I will Problem absolutely. Solved. Yeah, <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, Nick. Good job. <laughs> Become wealthy enough to literally be a patron of the arts. Yes, <laughs> all the time. Amazing. Just have a fleet of artists on call. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, Minerva, wait for the call. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Be like, hi, I'm running a one shot. Can you do, I don't know, twenty or thirty full page drawings <laughs> for me, just so I can show them to my players? Yeah, yeah great. Well, I would also I have need to do... these NPCs. I need... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other problem with that is I'd have to actually plan all that stuff ahead of time, <laughs> which I don't. Yeah, I think it's interesting, though, that there's two things that I kind of wish I had more information about with this, because they say it looks like that game first time my two mutual friends had played together. Like, is that the GM and this player? I kind of get That's the vibe. I, I think I so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's so interesting that these two people have a mutual friend in common because usually that's like puts everyone on their best behavior when they're like both the first time they've played with other people and their friend is kind of like their connection. Okay. I don't know. At least you, been you, you don't want to tick off the person who's merging their bubbles. Yeah. Usually like two people is like, oh, okay, hey, so-and-so invited us together. So like, I don't know. Usually that means there's some on, common ground. On the other hand, sometimes you have a friend who's kind of a dick. And you're yeah. ju- you're just sort of used to it because that's who they are and you've known them long enough. But on one side or the other or both, like I don't know who these friends are, it would be easy to have people rub the wrong way if the first thing out of my mouth that I've heard from you after we've talked about the game yeah. is bitching about how I decided to make my character. Like, yeah. okay. If there's Fair. a certain set of there's a certain person who's super hot headed or offended by that, or maybe even just didn't want to be in there in the first place. I don't know. Oh yeah. But use that as a reason to storm off. Yeah. 
And to defend that player for a moment, I also don't know what's going on with them. Yeah. Maybe they have difficulty uh, doing creative writing. Maybe they have difficulty writing. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to use this as a tool. I do agree that, like, maybe that should have come out ahead of time. I really think that the phrase, hey, I'm thinking about trying chat GPT for my character, is that cool? Mm-hmm. Would have diffused this entire thing. Yes. So I'm not victim blaming here, but I also mm-hmm. don't know who the victim is. <laughs> I know, it's such a I, weird situation. Yeah, yeah. Right, I guess our email writer is the victim. Yeah. So and I don't think it was their fault. So no. of the two friends, if the one who was going to do this had said something about it, I think even if you had strong feelings about it, you might have just let it pass because like, who cares at the end yeah. of the day? This isn't being paid. It's not monetizing it. So even if you have ethical quandaries about it, it was just a character that you're going to play for five or six sessions or however long this game was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I blame them. Yeah. Blame, blame everyone. <laughs> Everyone's terrible. Yeah. It's really strange, though. I, I think you might be onto something with them not wanting to have been there in the first place. Or maybe they are just really hot-headed because it's very strange that they've, like, brought it up and apologized multiple times and this person's just like, no, I'm done. But maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I know I know some people who will like be offended and then swear a mighty oath to never let that grudge yeah. die. Yeah. Okay. And even if it's really stupid shit like this. Yeah, they will lose all their fingernails being pulled along the boards. Wow. Before they're willing to to give an inch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I can carry a grudge like a basket of flowers, but I don't know, just especially when they I mean, yeah, I guess so. I especially if it was something that they were embarrassed by. Like if they had a reason to <laughs> <laughs> Dave is losing his shit and laughing. Sometimes it's things come up and then a picture pops in my head that <laughs> <just> delights me. <laughs> so I just the idea of like a basket full of flowers that's just a hate basket. That <laughs> <laughs> was a beautiful, twisted, poisonous flowers. Yeah, hate. Just yes. pure vitriol flower. in a basket. Yep. That's Did your mother fuck you up? What better <laughs> gift on Mother's Day than a hate basket? <laughs> you could probably make a lot of money. <laughs> Sure. That <laughs> bitchy ass. Trademark, trademark, trademark. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't use the word. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I guess that's very true. And it, it really does seem to me like that embarrassment, like, especially the new people, like, people really re- react very strongly when they're embarrassed. And depending yeah. on what was said, yeah. It, who knows? Like, right. could have really hit something personal. I don't, based on my reading of this, I think that the GM said something that was probably. Yeah. Off color or slightly insulting because because he says that it was phrased about taking it easy, quote. But the but but Larian also says I might not have been as diplomatic as even that was, mm-hmm. which means I don't think it was what are you fucking idiot? Yeah. The fact that Budding But Larian has been listening to us since we've had forums and is <laughs> and doesn't dare to write what the <laughs> what the GM actually said in the email on our show. Tells me that it was That's probably, fair. probably not nice. Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe they're just being polite, but I feel like it was probably pretty, I mean, yeah, I pretty that, I harsh. Pretty, okay. Because yeah. most people, like, we say fuck. Like, you could write fuck in an email. It's fine. And they didn't, which means it might be worse than fuck, which is not hard, but you know what I mean. But maybe, putting but Larry and write in and tell us what it was. Because <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah, really we, curious. We want right, to know. Right. We, if you don't want her on the air, that's fine. That's fine. Just satisfy just, her curiosity. Or join the Discord until it's there. I want to know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just wild. And these, there's just so many things like that now with like how, especially online culture and who knows, like if you 
if you're on the wrong Twitter thread and like things like that, people get very adamant about things. Well, and I've absolutely said something that was taken not the way that I intended it. And that yeah. isn't sure. Like, I don't think anyone was operating on bad faith here. And sometimes that's a matter of of bad faith. Yeah. But I also know sometimes it hasn't been bad faith. And just the way that I phrased something, for example, ended up being triggering for somebody or something like that. And we don't know what, Yeah. for all we know, the GM hit on the phrase that, you know, an abusive father used to use yeah. all the time. There's a lot of emotion going on. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, he probably got a little bit lucky that it, exploded the first session instead of like after you'd been playing a while and yeah, like I'm totally connected to this character yeah, and I want to play this play, all the way and through. then it like it got worse because at least usually if like it's the first session people just kind of storm out or if it's later in the, the game and people have like made more connections like personally and friendships wise it just gets a lot sloppier Slash had time to fester yeah yes <laughs> added more shit in their hate basket like <laughs> There's only one flower in that hate basket right now. You're lucky you got out early. <laughs> All right. Thank you for uh, an interesting topic that I hadn't thought of before. I should probably add that to our session, our Lines and Veils document, chat GP and, or GTP and yeah. AI use. Yeah. yeah, tools, yeah. Note to sell. Something right. to consider. Yeah. All right. Ready to go. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> mailbag number two. Hi, Happy Jacks. I recently attended a local game con, and while the games weren't bad, they were slightly disappointing. Mm. I think the reasons they were disappointing come down to two problems, and I wanted to see if you had any suggestions. First, the easy problem. Too many players in the game. I think for most games, the fewer players, the better. Four might be the optimal number of players. What do you think? Second, how can you get players running pregens in your con scenario up to speed on playing the game together as quickly and effectively as possible? I played in a couple of investigative games, and none of us knew what the other characters were good at. We also didn't know what know each other as players, so we were shy, wary of stepping on toes. As a result, things dragged as we looked respectfully at one another, waiting for <laughs> someone else to speak. Aww. I know you've talked about in the past about breaking the role-playing ice with little improv games, but we also need a way to break the ice between the characters. Should the GM include a brief description of what all the PCs can do so that players can read it and get a good sense of what everyone can do? Or should the players introduce their character, including expertise and specialties? Or something else? I think getting the game moving quickly in a con is important. It's also hard. You usually have to explain the rules, let people pick pre-gens, and provide the players the introduction to the scenario or situation. All of that leads to a slow start. What are some good ways to get a one-shot scenario moving quickly? Thank you. Toby on the Discord. Well, problem number one, too many players in the game. I, a four is great. I'm also comfortable with six at a con. I per- more, yeah. More than that would be miserable. I can't envision a way of doing it in a four-hour game session and giving anybody any time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It, for me, it would depend on the system. Right. Most games, I usually prefer at a con game, six players. Just because you you never know what you're gonna get. With four players, they have to be more active. And at a con, I've found a lot of times you get less active players, which sounds like you've got a whole table of less active players. I'm sorry. With more players, you have a higher chance of having at least a couple like really active kind of thespian type players in there. 
which can really just take a lot of the responsibility off you as a GM. And and, and maybe inspire other players. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So I I prefer to play with five or preferably six at a con game. And sometimes as many as eight. Yeah. And invite another person in. Yes. I run it for as many (laughs) as eight or nine. I do. But I would not do that for most games. I did that for for Starscape because it's built to have those relationships in there. So literally, the more people you put in there, the more stuff is going to ping off each other like a ping pong ball. And I knew that system incredibly well because I wrote and I wrote it recently, so I hadn't, didn't have time to forget it yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I would not do that for most games. Like Wild Talents, I wouldn't have done that for a Wild Talents game. Maybe like one more person. But yeah, generally four to six. I prefer five or six for a con. In my long experience of running con <laughs> games, I usually have six players requested at the table, but I'll soldier on with as few as two. The one con game you Yes, yeah. the one con game I've oh. run. <laughs> we're very proud of you. You did it last con. It was wonderful. Nice. Yeah. You have to start somewhere. Everybody yeah. starts somewhere. Yeah. The, the, it depends on the system. It depends on the GM. But whatever makes the GM comfortable is the best number. So I can't, like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, too many players? Like, if there's eight or nine at the table, that's going to be a nightmare. And you're not going to get a chance to do probably anything the whole time. You should probably go buy a drink or something and then come back in two hours because you'll get the same amount of gameplay. I think, like, what you're saying, also, you sort of need to make a rubric on how familiar you are with the game, how familiar others are going to be with the game, and how complicated that interaction is going to be. For example, if you bring a game to the con to do playtesting, which a lot of people do, mm-hmm. and no one obviously knows about this because they've never seen or heard of this game before, you're going to need to spend a lot more time explaining what does what and how everything works. And for that, a smaller table almost certainly is going to be better mm-hmm. because you're not going to have the the confusion and uh, six or eight or whatever people scratching their heads trying to, trying to figure this out or even just asking you questions because they want to know more you're going to be able to feel that better with with few characters. But if it's a system you run all the time and that is fairly mainstream, so you can expect that at least a couple of your players might already know the game, then I think a larger number is fine because you're going to get, you're probably going to get some people who are like, oh, I love Savage Worlds. I'm going to go sit in this Savage Worlds game. Mm -hmm. And you won't have to explain all of the rules to them. Yeah. Speaking of, I just realized I made a rule mistake last yesterday, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Erica, I'm not in chat tonight. I know. (laughs) Okay. She'll tell you soon. She'll tell me on the Discord. Yeah. (laughs) See, I always like to assume, no matter what game I'm running, I mean, I do tend to run weird games, but I always assume that nobody knows anything about the game I run. Even if I know there's players who've played the game with me at previous cons, I just assume that everyone's like me and will forget all the rules between cons because I forget all the rules between cons and I'm like, "How how do I run this game again? Oh, yes. Planning for everyone to be starting at zero means that I have to think about how I onboard everything, which kind of leads into like the second question of how do you get things moving quickly? And we've talked about this a bunch of times on the podcast before with a lot of different advice for different types of games. But I do, I love the idea of, I mean, there has to be interaction or introductions, especially, I can't believe that they tried to do like a a mystery adventure or something like that with like, I have no idea who anybody is here. Like, I don't know, that's baffling to me as, I mean, I don't know. Stork and I, when we were running our Savage Worlds Carnival Mm -hmm. group freak show game, a lot of times we wouldn't have people introduce each other. But as we started up playing, when we'd come to the next person that we were going to talk to, 
we would highlight something that they were good at. Mm. Like we would be like, oh, what do the spirits tell you about this? Or, mm. or oh, what? well, what's it like to be a guy that could be an alligator? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the questions like that. And then like asking the players about something on their sheet yeah. makes them read the sheet <laughs> yes. and maybe remember that they can do something with the stuff on the sheet. Mm. We ran into that problem. Fuck, if only we had a guy who could turn into an alligator right now <laughs> and solve this situation. Well, son of a bitch. That's me. <laughs> I'm the alligator guy. Yeah. But we've also run into the, the opposite problem of where you end up with players that aren't really outgoing. Yeah. Uh, and that's so hard. You can run a game and, you know, we've, I've talked about it before where we have a whole table of people and, you know, we've talked, we ran that Harrison Ford game. Mm-hmm. So every player character was a Harrison Ford movie character. And like, we got a guy that got, oh, what's his name? I don't remember. From Mosquito Coast, the professor, right? Mm-hmm. Guy that wanted to bring ice to the, the South America. Okay. Obscure movie. A lot of people probably didn't see it. Still a good movie. Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford. It's all right. <laughs> but not the one that's super mainstream for the guy that mm-hmm. chose that folder. Right. But he ran with it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, well, I'm just kind of a wacky professor, creator, inventor guy. All right, rock on. It was important that I put in every folder, even the big name characters, everybody knows Han Solo. Everybody mm-hmm. knows this. But they still got a blurb of mm-hmm. like two or three sentences, kind of this is this character, blah, blah, blah. Ta-da. Here's your stuff. Because you never know if you get that person that just has that cultural blind spot. Yeah. It's like, I've never seen Star Wars. Who the fuck is Han Solo? What are you talking about? Which is bizarre to think that that could happen, it but can, it does. Yes. I don't think so. Not for Han Solo. I mean, Harrison Ford doesn't even know who the fuck Han Solo yeah. is. Well, I mean, Harrison <laughs> to hear him Ford. talk about in, in <laughs> interviews. Sure. But the best part about that is because Harrison Ford just doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. No. That's the part that's delightful. But you, you have to give them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, I mean, you could just have them read their little blurb. Yeah. If you write them two sentences that kind of highlight what the character can do, be like, all right, everybody, now that you've all picked your characters, why don't you read your little blah, blah, blah to the, to the group? Yeah. I kind of like that because I, it's a little off-putting for me. And I know this sounds, it sounds like shit, but it's a little off-putting for me when someone says, oh, I have a 13 charisma and a 17 do, and I can yeah. cast this spell and I can do that because... It takes the mystery out of it, and it also kind of makes it feel very mechanical rather than like an RPG. I want to have a little bit of, like, tell me you're a wizard. Great. Or you're a, you're an archaeologist. Great. And then I'm going to make certain assumptions, but if you do something different, that's going to be a little surprising. Or mm-hmm. exactly what you cast as a wizard is going to be interesting to me. Yeah. But I do think that you need to have some kind of introduction. Yeah. For those areas. I actually like like what you're talking about with having a little blurb on the pregens and just ask them all to read them out loud. Yeah. Or even just in their own words, describe what their character can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one thing that is harder to deal with, and it sounds like might be the actual problem here, is different conventions and different game system fans have different cultures and play styles. Like Strategicon that we go to and we talk about a lot on the show because it's our local con. It has a very, has cultivated very specifically, they've worked hard at getting a lot of more indie games and a lot of different games. They have a whole Adventures League thing too, which is huge and in another room that I don't see ever. 
And Pathfinder Society. Yeah, they have all those too. But if I were to go play a game in that room, I would have a very different experience than what I'm used to. Because the same kind of groups of people, it's like the same 200 people all sign up for RPGs there. So you might run, you know, three games over the weekend and have the same person in two or three of them. You know, especially because people start to get to know GMs that like they they like their style and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it has a very specific culture. And a lot of the players are very outgoing, at least in our department, which the general RPG department. And I've been to and heard stories from other cons where it's not the same. And if you're playing Pathfinder, you're going to get a very different experience probably than if you're up playing Fiasco. People who play Fiasco are looking for a different experience. (laughs) (laughs) So I think part of that you should probably reflect a little bit on like, hey, what game did you choose to play? Did it have anything to do with that? It might have. And look around and see, like, and ask people who are at the con, sign up, remember who, what GM you had. And if you liked your experience, if you liked that GM, sign up with them again. Maybe it was just like a dud table. Sometimes that happens. It's happened to me. And you just sit there and as a GM, you were trying to just <laughs> squeeze that milk from the stone of just do a thing. Do, okay, this is amazing. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, this isn't working. Okay. Everyone have a good time. Thanks. It was a great game. Okay, I need a drink. Like, that's just sometimes you're just, you're just going to have bad luck. And it's going to be all passive players who, passive players are very important. A full table of the same type of player of any type is a bad mix. Hey, it's exhausting. Yeah. No matter what it is. No matter but, what it is. But yeah, it, it's, if everyone's trying to top each other. It's also exhausting. Yeah. Oh. And you don't get anything done and you never get to the end. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Passive players are bad. I am saying that a a table of all homogeneous gaming types is exhausting no matter what. I just want to say real quick, you made me think that I feel like I need to write a fiasco scenario called Path Losers now. (laughs) That's funny. I think that that, that could be. That's a good one. Yeah. I actually, I have something specifically about the fact that it was an investigative game. Okay. Because one of my con experiences, not this last one, but the one before, I got into a Deadlands Noir Savage Worlds game because I like Savage Worlds. You do? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Surprisingly. What? Yeah. (laughs) But what happened was it was three different investigative companies, Mm -hmm. and they were all investigating different aspects of this case that then all come together and brought us all together like that. But each pair of people who were each detective agency, there was like a brain and a muscle. And they weren't all the same across the board, but it sort of gave you the dynamic automatically between who you were and what your relationship was with your other partner. Mm -hmm. And so we could sit down, and even though I didn't know anyone else there, the guy who, who picked the brain was across the table from me, and we just started riffing on that because that was, you know, he was the brain, I was the muscle, and we just rolled with it. And we didn't know exactly what each other's skills were, but we sort of understood what our dynamic was probably going to be. Mm -hmm. And the other players, to various degrees, followed suit on that. And so I think, to me, I've thought that was a really clever way of kind of, this is sort of the expectations of who you are and what you're doing, even though we didn't have a strict loadout of what everybody was good at. Yeah. And I don't think you need that. Honestly, for con games, sometimes it's easy. Like, I know we all want to make like complex, deep, amazing characters. Don't do that for con games. Don't do that for pre-gens. Do tropey stuff that it's easy for someone to step into. If they get like really excited about it and want to go the extra mile and add in a bunch of extra details, let them. That's great. But like, 
have it be basic. Have it be the thing everybody knows. Like pick Indiana Jones and Han Solo and not the weird guy from this other movie that I've never heard of. You know, not yeah. to be, not to attack you, but like no, no, no. I mean, yeah. that was the point. Yeah, because I we came up with eight characters and yeah. we're like, okay, let's make them all some weird ones and mm-hmm. some mainstream ones. <laughs> oh, see, now I want to run a game like that where it's like all like presidents from movies, but so like, <laughs> one of them's like the guy from uh, Air, Air Force, Force One. One, one of them, yeah, one of them's yeah. like from Dave, and like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, all right. One of them's like, like just all like weird, like very. You, you got to pull uh, idiocracy in there. Yeah. I, I don't like that movie, but no. yes, if you had President, like President Camacho, super, would be... yeah, super weird, like amalgamation oh, and, of uh, movie uh, presidents. Jack Lemon and what was his name from My Fellow Americans? Yeah, the two old guys that were like the ex president. You know, they mm-hmm. had retired. Okay. And, and then, oh my gosh, what was that? God, what's the the movie? I watched. I loved it so much. It was like the president who was a widower, and then he started dating, and like. Oh, yeah. Um, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't remember, but that one was funny, too. Bill but, Pullman from ID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, like, super random. Like, the Harrison Ford's like, oh, okay. I'm a president. And the other guy is like, I have a date tonight. It's <laughs> 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 <this> weird-ass game. <laughs> I heard someone pitch, who I don't think was familiar with your Harrison Ford idea, but they want to do it with uh, Nick Cage characters. Yeah. <laughs> Just pull, pull all Nick Cages from all sorts of different movies. Sure, that would be amazing. I, my... Sequel follow-up idea was to do it with everybody. Instead of everybody playing characters of the same actor, mm. everybody playing the same character that had been played by different actors. Uh. And do like a James Bond game, but it's all the James Bond. Uh. That'd be so cool. And then everybody can get their own sort of style, you know, like mm-hmm. the Roger Moore style is not the no. Daniel Craig style. style yeah. not... Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. And include uh, Woody Allen from that Casino yes. Royale movie. Oh. Yeah, like, just... <laughs> that'd be very good. Or you could do it with like The Rock and like they're all pretty much in like every five minutes, everyone just passes their character sheet and it's all, <laughs> it's all still the same. It makes no difference. All right, everyone. Rock and roll. We have to start the game. The sheet over. We just have to start the game. Okay, everybody line up. We're going to paint on an eyebrow real high. <laughs> and like they're all just like big, tough dudes in like tan shirts on an adventure. And then one of them can be like Maui <laughs> from Moana. Sorry, I have a toddler. She watches that movie a lot. So, you know what I would do almost in that case is I would make the characters identical yeah. except for one skill. Yeah. Like they all have one skill that's different yeah. based on the movie. Like the one from Fast and Furious knows how to drive real well. Yeah. The one from San Andreas can fly a helicopter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Jumanji, like all of them have like the one thing. Yeah, they have one thing. <laughs> but beyond that, the stats are all the same. Exactly the same. <laughs> yep. Okay, we might have to do this. This is very fun. All right. Okay. <laughs> look, look for their next con maybe. game x <laughs> maybe yeah we'll see all right excellent yeah thank you and you win some you lose some cons are a mixed bag some games will be memorable and incredible and you will and will affect you and be in your brain forever some games you will want to drink until you can't remember them anymore and most games will be somewhere in between those two yeah dave mentioned something about like asking questions about their sheet I use that as sort of a quick way to introduce characters, on, yeah. even in like a session zero, just to kind of get people talking about it. Because sometimes they'll say stuff that they didn't even know that that was going to be the answer mm-hmm. until they give it to you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they give you great gifts. And other times you just get like standard answers. But at least there was some discussion about who can do what, what you think the character is going to be like. Yeah. Oh, best thing ever always. And I always forget to pack them. But then so I have to make them out of something I find around the hotel. Uh, name tags. 
Name oh, yeah. tags, a hundred percent, especially if you have a timid table, will increase interaction because I, as a GM, have trouble remembering everyone's name and then their character names too. So they have the same problem. So having those name tags on the table with like just, table tags, yeah, just like they're with their character name on them. So it's like they can just talk to the other character. Really helps because people aren't like, I'm sorry, what was your name again? Okay, Bob. Like whatever it is, it just it helps kind of take a little bit of the pressure off. It can really help timid tables like to get over over it or at least l- improve a little. And what I would used to do is I went out and I bought, I don't know, 15 of those little plastic, uh, th- not maybe three by five or five by eight little picture frames. Mm-hmm. And I would print out the character portrait and their name and yeah. put them in them and then set them out on the table. Oh, so. neat. Okay. Yeah. So that everybody had a big thing they could look at. And it was, it was very nice. helpful and easy. Yeah. I used to be amazing with my stuff and then I don't have time in life anymore. I just take three by five cards and I fold them in half. So they're like a little pyramid. Yeah, you not, it it's not a pyramid. It's a little like standy thing. Yeah. An yeah. arrow. An, an arrow. Cheap. Whatever. You set it down and then it, it, one side is standing and facing other people and one side's facing mm-hmm. you. It's really easy. And I just have a pack of like 300 of them in my backpack because I will never remember to put them in my backpack. So they're in my con backpack and they're always in my con backpack. They will never go away until I'm out of them. And then I'm like, shit, I'll never remember to pack them again. They're always in my fiasco bundle. Yeah. (laughs) I just went to the dollar store to go buy some more and they didn't have any. I was like, oh, betrayal. That's how I felt. Like, it's the sort of thing that like I didn't pick up 700 of them because I'm like, oh, they'll always be here. Right, right. Yeah. But we all thought about toilet paper once upon a time. (laughs) Yeah. Times have changed. But yeah, three by five cards are like the one thing you should always have in your con backpack because they're good for so many different things. Yeah. All right. And there's a million other things. Like we've talked about this a lot. So go back and look for con. Like go to the happyjacks.org. Con! (laughs) In the search bar type con and you'll get like a million episodes that talk about convention stuff. There's a lot of good advice there. But you can skip the live shows because they aren't giving advice mostly. They're no, just talking don't. about games. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm sure, yeah. If you're on the Discord, you're aware, probably. <laughs> so thank you, Toby. We appreciate you and we appreciate your email. All right, number mailbag number three. We've gotten back down to my turn. I, I picked a long one. Greetings, Captain Kimmy and the illustrious crew of Her Majesty's Starship Happy Jack. Bum, 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 bum. You, the original Star Trek theme song. <laughs> Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> Very good. Uh, All right, have we read this before? Does this is sounding familiar to anybody? We haven't read anything. I've okay. just been singing with Mike. So far. Okay, sorry. I could keep going, but I think yeah, no, it's right. yeah, My problem is like I read them all. And then like when I sit here, I'm like, did I read this just while I was going through the emails or did I read it previously? It's fine. Well, if not, it's yeah, a daily it's double. It's a bit. Neither one of us here last time. So there you go. Well, I don't think it was last time, but okay, right. it'll be fine. I just had a, like a very vivid memory of you guys like making this joke previously, so I was like, I don't know. I think you just know us. I <laughs> probably. You yeah. could probably see you doing it like when we were doing playtests of Starscape. At Almost some point. certainly. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it's a bit we have to rehearse now. Yeah. <laughs> just to get ready and be like, yes. Kimmy mentioned Star Trek. I love you both. Okay. I am a fairly new listener, listening to your advice podcasts as they're released, and also working backwards through the catalog. I am ecstatic. Go bravely. Yeah, go bravely. (laughs) Good luck. I am ecstatic to have finally found a GM advice show that appeals to my sensibilities as an improv-oriented, low-prep, 
player-driven narrativist GM. Who sent this? After three years of online gaming, I am returning to small group in-person gaming with some old friends, and they've asked me to GM. Your stories, advice, and enthusiasm are hyping me up to run a new campaign for them after a lengthy hiatus from GMing. Expect to hear from me in a few months when I ask for advice for that campaign. Oh, we are waiting with bated breath. We're excited about that. LARP. In addition to tabletop gaming, I've been LARPing on and off for 30 years. In light of several conversations I've I've heard on Happy Jacks recently, I'd like to share a story on how I started LARPing and some LARP suggestions for the crew. How it started. Man, if I'd known this was coming up, we should have made this a table with uh, Jameson, Clara, and me. It was, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's fine. I played the first publication of Vampire, the Mascara Raid. Very funny. <laughs> in 1991, a.k.a. the Porno Comic Edition. And by mm-hmm. 1993, several friends from my gaming group were also playing in the early Mind's Eye Theater Vampire LARP. The LARP ran downtown on and around a large college campus nearly every night of the week. Whenever I happened to be in the area of the LARP, I would keep my eyes open for people wearing the purple buttons that indicated LARPers in character. When I saw players throwing rock, paper, scissors, I would approach them and over my non-existent purple button in the temporarily out-of-character sign, and I would ask them, what can I see happening here? Of course, they would assume that I was also a player and would tell me what supernatural actions they were simulating in public with rock, paper, scissors. Feats of superhuman speed or strength, claws and fangs, whirlwinds of animated blood, etc. If anyone approaches me in the out-of-character symbol at a LARP, I'm now going to be like, is this entrapment? Yeah. Are, are you a LARPer? Yeah. Legally, you have to tell you me. Have to tell you me. have to tell me if you're not are you a LARPer. you a tourist? What is happening? I'm going to assume it's somebody from Starfleet. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right. I would thank them politely for explaining and return to whatever I was, whatever I was doing when I spotted them usually several yards away in a moderately crowded area, drop the temporarily out-of-character hand sign, and react appropriately to whatever I was witnessing in character. For example, I would point, let out a terrified scream, and then shout, oh my god, she just ripped that man's arm off, at the top of my lungs. Needless to say, this constituted a major breach of the masquerade and caused the (laughs) incautious vampires some in-game headaches when they were brought before the prince of the city and punished for their indiscretion. Okay, at first I was going not going to be on on uh, Steve's side because it's kind of a dick move to to like get them to tell you a bunch of shit and then walk away. But I super super appreciate the enforcing the masquerade because yeah. that was the thing that turned me off of the vampire LARP was that no one was following the masquerade, yeah. even down to the fact of like whatever goth ass. <laughs> cosplay you're doing out in the middle of downtown Santa Cruz, which is a fucking beach town. Yeah. You are not upholding the masquerade in your velvet frock coat and <laughs> three foot top hat. Yeah. I mean, I, I can get fashion. Like, like, this is a chance for fashion. It but can, if you're, if you're playing be. that you're like ripping someone's like throat out with your thing, like, okay, yeah, that's definitely breaking the masquerade. Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Like, dress how you like, especially if it involves a lovely top hat. But if you're ripping people's throats out, like, no, 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 you broke it. And you deserve to go before the prince because that is juicy bullshit. Okay. That's why I always have domination. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. All right. Several players and storytelling. Masquerade obscured for you. Domination. Yes. That's fine. Ask your your prince if domination is right for you. (laughs) 
Several players and storytellers thank me for being their unofficial enforcer of the masquerade. So I think my semi-trolling worked mostly for good. I was later invited to play in that game and did play for a couple of years before moving out of town. That's pretty funny. <laughs> They're like, okay, we know you're just a tourist, but thank you for doing that. Right. How's it going? After playing... No, okay, I have a question about that, though. I'm going to pause for a moment. And maybe we need to find someone who played the... Because this is a very specific, like, vampire LARP right. question. Like, if you are in a public place, so you assume all the people who are around are actually there with you in the game world. So, like, if you're in downtown Santa Cruz, mm-hmm. like, it's very busy or whatever, and you're playing, like... Are you assuming like the people coming out of the movie theater who are just there seeing a movie, they're not part of the LARP? Are they part of the world that you're playing in? In the game that I played briefly, yes. Okay, interesting. But it was a sort of a weird space because sometimes the sometimes this alley by the movie theater was a blood-soaked alley. Sometimes it was a boardroom, depending on what people were doing. So uh. you sort of kind of had to modify what was what. There were a few permanent locations like, oh, down here by the Froyo is the Prince's Court. It wasn't, but no, I, know, I yeah. just seemed it's funny to me. Very funny. Yeah, that's very good. I'm amused. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, because most of the vampire LARPs that I've seen or have people who have friends, and like it's at a con. Mm-hmm. So they have like a big like ballroom where they do that LARP in that one. And they've got different spaces in there. Some of them have sets and stuff. So playing like on a college campus where there's all these, I don't know. Victims. Victims. <laughs> pedestrians. Well, like, I like I like tourists. Tourists was good. Tourists, yeah. yeah. Walking around who may not even be aware that it's happening. Well, that's the point. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But it shouldn't be the point because no one understands what you're doing standing over here talking to people and then throwing rock, paper, scissors. It's supposed to be that they don't know that you're ripping someone's arm off and that's why yeah. there's the masquerade. And so in theory, if you're doing that in what is obviously a public place... Mm-hmm. Then yeah, I, I think Steve yeah. was was a hundred percent right on that. For yeah. sure, yeah, no, I do too. I just wanted like clarification. So like, because I would have assumed, I think that like you just imagine those people like when kids play, like everyone else disappears. Like I would kind of have pictured it being something like that. It, it is sometimes like that, mm-hmm. but I think the way that they were playing so in the public that that was interesting. Cool. That no, they in theory were on that campus and there were out those people walking around. Yeah, yeah. No, it sounds like that. That's just an interesting thing I'd never really thought about for vampire and modern LARPs in, like, public spaces. Yeah, I mean, it probably it boils down to every time setting your scene. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's supposed to be, okay, well, we don't actually have an ancient Swiss chalet tonight, so <laughs> we're going to just... Oh, pretend. which ones were you playing? I mean, <laughs> I mean, damn it. Yeah. I knew I screwed something up. <laughs> but I want to interrupt for just a minute because oh, yeah, yeah. I have to tell this I have a friend who was really into it, and he was really into the base in the beginning of the Mind's Eye and vampire stuff. And some of the characters that are used are based off of his characters, so he's very proud of it. And what they used to do at some point was they had a friend who played who was the night manager of a Denny's, and that Denny's had a back light, a closed off room in area, and they would all come in wearing like hoods and masks. And when anyone asked them about it, they would say that they were, and this is kind of fucked up but that they were a burn victim support group. And then they'd meet in there with the doors closed. So I guess being ableist that way was better than being embarrassed that you were playing a LARP. But I always just thought it was a weird and interesting way of like using this this public space to have your vampire meetings. In. Yeah. I mean, it's clever. Yeah, definitely a little bit like, ooh. Uh, right, right. But if you want to get keep people out from watching, because that's hard. Like, 
especially they even have very specific rules about it at at con is like you can't just go watch the larps because it's intrusive it's, it's awkward yeah it's weird, awkward yeah. and it's like a space it's like having someone just come and watch your like ttrpg but even more so when you have all these safety agreements and things in place and then someone's just there like judging and giving commentary oh have i been that creepy guy judging it when when no okay <laughs> I just know that I will sometimes do that. I'll just wander around and find someone I know who's jamming and be oh, like, no, oh, I, what's, what's going on? No, I didn't mean at a con. At, at, at a, a tabletop at a t- game. Yeah. It's different than at okay. a LARP where like everybody in the room is yeah. acting and participating. I was thinking more tabletop games like at your home. Like someone coming and just like sitting and watching oh, you. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I was not clear. No, I thought I'd be called out here. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> at a con when I'm running a tabletop game, I expect people to kind of come and like and to be I tourists. I encourage people Yeah, to it's interesting. But... There's a, there's a, I don't feel a vulnerability with it that I think a lot of LARPers have because they're more in character. It's a little bit more, yeah, mm-hmm. there's vulnerability. And I think some GMs even would feel that way. I think there are some GMs who probably wouldn't want people just dropping by and sitting there. I know that there have been times where you and I go, like, because we have, you know, an hour off in between stuff, we go find an empty table somewhere. And sometimes I'll go in a room and I'll just sit at an empty table and like the table like nearby or the other two tables in the room will just go quiet and kind of like look at me. I'm like, Hey, okay, goodbye. I guess I'm leaving. Okay, cool. <laughs> Obviously, having extra people in the room is not a welcome. So yeah, no, I was not calling you out at all. Okay. Sorry. I meant no more like having someone come in, like sit in. Like if we were filming a show, mm-hmm. if we were streaming a show and someone just was standing off camera yeah, watching, just watching us. Yeah, watching us. Yeah. Okay. Like I know people watch us all the time, but that's a little different. Totally different. <laughs> yeah. Totally different. Yeah, exactly. Feel free to judge us in the in the safety yeah. of your own home, or totally cool. uh, listen to us on the podcast later. Yeah. The next time I'm on the show, I want to just bring some random friend and make them stand over there <laughs> silently. I did do that once. Rob and I brought Rob's nephew because he was in town and we were going to go do something. Oh, that's right. He did come and just sit at the end of the table and be like, "That was a little weird." <laughs> but it was also kind of funny. Was he on his phone a lot? I remember. Or I don't remember. No, not really. Okay. He was a gamer though. He was interested. I mean, in, he knew. Yeah. What, yeah. yeah. All right. How it's going. <laughs> uh, we've lost track of everything. So that's yeah. how he, he, he got started with LARPing. How's it going now? After playing in several LARP campaigns and helping run a couple, I gave up on campaign LARPs, but discovered a style of LARP I absolutely love. The style goes by names like Parlor LARP and American Freeform, but LARP taxonomy. <laughs> it, just, it just sounds like a cat show to it me. Does. Like, oh, yes. This is, this is American Freeform. American Freeform. This is a uh, British formal LARP. Yes. Oh my God. Like I was watching the Bridge Breaking Show with Sam yesterday, like totally. And Paul Hollywood, who's like the, the one of the judges there. It was like custard week. We're way behind. Sorry. And he started naming off all these types of custard. And I thought he was making, I thought he was joking because he was like, God, what was it? I don't know anything about baking. I like eating baking goods. But like he was like, this kind of custard. And the uh, the ambassador custard and da 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 and I started laughing and then like we were like they were making it a few minutes later and then it, one of the guys like yeah I'm making an ambassador custard and I'm like oh oh, oh that was real, oh, real. <laughs> <laughs> all those real things okay I thought it was a funny joke it's not it's all those weird ridiculous names for custard all right sorry that was a very interesting story I'm sure um yeah. style goes by names like parlor larp and American, and American freeform. freeform but larp taxonomy and naming are hard. So here's a list of characters most of these games have in common. Characteristics most of these games have in common. One-shot LARPs. My brain, it does things. <laughs> so now it's like, American Freefall. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
You're the Lord for me. <laughs> next, next, next breakout hit by the married dudes. <laughs> During the two to eight hours, I mean, I, I keep going back to like the dog show. This is the American freeform. Notice the tight hair curl pattern and the long loins. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's rare that they come. I can't think of anything. Sorry. I mean, hopefully they come more often than that. But anyway. During the two to eight hours, four hours of it being the most common, six to 60 players, 10 to 25 players being the most common sizes, fairly simple game mechanics, no buffer weapons or physical combat, few NPCs, if any. The characters are all pregens, which are distributed in advance based on player preferences, i.e. casting. The characters are written to play in a particular scenario together, so are written with relationships, ties, rivalries, and opinions of each other built in. Safety mechanics appropriate for the material contained in the game. From what I've heard of Happy Jacks, I think many of you would enjoy the style of LARP. I also found these LARP communities to be significantly healthier and safer than the campaign LARP communities that I've experienced, and much more welcoming to new participants. There are tremendous opportunities for immersion, costuming, and playing bespoke games run by their creators. The kind of games I have in mind can be found at small conventions like Intercon in New England or Beacon in the Midwest. And those written at peaky Midwest game writing workshop. I'm sure there are jackers in the Discord who can recommend similar events closer to home. Thank you for an amazing advice, games, and camaraderie. Steve from Wisconsin, blue look on the Discord. P.S. I don't advise trying that masquerade busting trick on your local vampire LARP. I was much younger and dumber when I did that, and was frankly lucky that it worked out as well as it did. Yep. P.P.S. Regarding Happy Jack's Season 29, episode 15. Yes, Kimmy, there are aquatic one-shot LARPs designed to be run in a pool. Ooh. I bet like mermaid stuff. I was about to yeah. say Clara would probably be all yeah, over that. Yeah, probably. That. I have a tail. I've just never like been able to use it for anything. Just never gotten into it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I bought it and then I got pregnant. I was like, okay, after I have the baby, it'll be great. So I'll go. And then like worldwide pandemic. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That would be very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, Claire is definitely the person to ask about this. All right. Well, thank you so much for writing in and thank you for like joining our community. I actually wanted to say one thing real quick. Yeah, do I it. don't know if this is what this is exactly like, but I remember back in like the 80s and 90s, there were the How to Host a Murder games. Yeah. Uh, which sound very much like this sort of parlor LARP where everyone, they'd all come in a character, you'd yeah. have some costume suggestions, a meal suggestion, and they had these interpersonal relationships. And I know my parents did a couple of those. I tried one in high school and it was a disaster. But but I was also a stupid teenager, 16-year-old, so whatever. But yeah, I mean, they always seemed like they were a great, great deal of fun. Yeah. So it might be an interesting thing to check out if you're interested and don't want to get into the whole Boffer LARP or, or Vampire Masquerade stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was so into those murder parties. Like we had like four of the kits and like, because I was a, theater kid with a theater mom and like a theater house with a bunch of costumes. We were, that was like three of my birthdays. I had <laughs> murder parties. It was all very strange for a nerdy teenager. Somewhere out in my garage, I've still got like the vintage 1989 Star Trek to the Next Generation oh. how to host a murder. Holy Oh shit. my God. I smell special event coming up. Yeah, you need to find that. <laughs> you need to yeah. find it. That would be amazing. I mean, oh it's gosh. not as good as the experienced beige board game. But, <laughs> but it's pretty fun. You, the one who are moving now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Delight. I totally want like a Star Trek murder mystery now. 
That's amazing. Very interesting. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, it's interesting. Alice is Missing is more LARP than it is TTRPG for me. Mm -hmm. It's like a LARP that you don't have to be at the same place with other people. It's like a text LARP in a lot of ways. There are a few, I mean, I, I've never done a LARP, but I feel like it's that sort of thing where you're given a character, kind of like the murder parties, uh -huh. where it's like, here's your character, this is the scenario, these are your relationships. It sounds like a lot like what they're talking about with these, these parlor LARPs. So if you are interested in trying parlor LARPs, but you don't have a group near you, playing or running Alice is Missing might be like a good step in that direction and of the same flavor if you're looking for something to do. There's also something that just closed on Kickstarter, so I'm, I can't point people towards it, but I did back myself. Mm -hmm. It's a set of three Jewish-themed games, of which two of them are pretty LARPy that way. Uh -huh. And it's called, because this is the best part, the best it's, called, part of it. <laughs> it's called If I Were a Lich Man. Yes. It is 100% the only, like, I backed it not knowing anything about it based on that title alone. It is written by people who are part of the Jewish community, so... And also yeah. specifically says it encourages people who are not to also yes. enjoy and explore the game and the games and everything. But yes, I just thought that would... The, the, one, the one about the person turning into a vampire at the bat mitzvah. Yeah. It's just... That's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. I cannot wait. It's going to be so yeah. fun. Yeah. All right. Are we, are we set? Are we done? I think we're done. Okay. My, my phone just said we're done. Good. Excellent. All right. Thank you for joining us for Season 31, Episode 19 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Kadeem. <laughs> I'm Nick. Please support our amazing Indie Designer of the Month, Ashy Feet Games. You can go find them at ashyfeet.com. Thank you to our amazing chat mods. It's not James V tonight because he's on vacation, but and our amazing Patreons who give us ad-free and independent. Thank you so much. We are a not-for-profit channel, so everything that is given to us at for, through the Patreon it goes back into cameras and the studio and buying us alcohol and making our bathroom ha uh, wheelchair acceptable or accessible and acceptable. I guess the, the bathroom is probably accepting a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. So all the things that are donated to us go back into making the product better. We all just do this because we love it. And I think that's important. And that way we don't have to deal with ads or... And don't feed our Twitch, Twitch streams into some sort of new AI that's going to spit out new Twitch streams of RPGs and advice Horrible shows. RPG advice. <laughs> <laughs> wildly misleading. Show up to games or and throw the dice at people. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Run eight session zeros and never play the game. <laughs> Damn it. I don't know. Someone made a, made a game like that, didn't they? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Again, I feel seen and attacked. <laughs> All right. Tonight, we are going to leave you with a song called Hi-Ho the Holly. It's by the Merry Wives of Windsor, who will be performing with the Poxy Boggards, our good friends, at the Renaissance Fair in Irwindale, starting on April something and going through may something and it's great and you should go to the renaissance fair and coming up next friday the 17th for saint patrick's day the poxy boggards are performing at high point brewery in san dimas if you want to come by i think the show starts at seven. Oh yeah and and for the first time in eight years kimmy is going to be singing on a stage <laughs> oh wait no i'm sorry my, my sound effect there is yeah bow, 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 bow. Yeah, March 18th, I will be hitch-hitting for the Merry Wives of Windsor because Clara 
has a prior engagement. So I'm going to try in the next week and remember 30 alto lines. It'll be great. And if you see panic in my eyes, you will know it's going well. So if you want to join us March 18th at certain time of day, which I probably should find out because I have to go at the coffee gallery backstage in Pasadena, Altadena, somewhere in there. One of those Dinas. Yeah, it'll be great. Go to mwow.net. I'm sure that the Mary Wives have posted something about it. I literally found out like seven days ago that I'm doing this. So, but I'm singing. It'll be fun. And yeah, we should go. Okay. Anyway, Mary Wives of Windsor. I will probably be singing the song. So do the thing. Okay. Bye. 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 is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sues performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.